This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Chris and Jerry, my old friends, I've come to hear your show again. Because the bat book that I was seeking Left me craving for some more reading And the songs, and the songs Jerry sings, they still remain So insane To hear bat books for beginners So many bat books, how to choose but with this podcast, I can lose Books with the resurrection Books when I read becomes a Batman too Tales like Batman's fight It had that might Shop, I saw 10,000 trades and maybe more. Books with villains so menacing that Chris and Jerry keep critiquing. Robin's Damien, Tim, and Dick, they say beware. And Batman Glenn, they were on that boost for And welcome to this edition of TBU's Bat Books for Beginners, episode 208. My name is Jerry. And I'm Chris. And we are your hosts. On Bat Books for Beginners, we will examine story arcs with Batman and related characters. We'll give you the historical background of the book, break down the plot and the art, and give you our opinions so you can decide for yourself if they're worth a read. Today's Bat Book Chris and I are covering is Blackest Night. So, Chris, tell us a little bit about this book. Thank you very much, Jerry. <laughs> Jerry, I got to say, you did a very, very fine job with Sounds of Silence there, my friend. Thank you so much. Oh, oh thank you. And you did a fantastic job with the lyrics. This is your <laughs> debut. Awesome work. Thank you. You know, real quick story. I was driving home from work, and I had uh, MeTV FM on, and they were playing Sounds of Silence. And I, oh, yeah. I just heard so many lyrics that could fit to one of your parody mm. intros. And I thought, yeah, yeah, okay. And then I thought, <laughs> I looked for it, and I said, oh, Jerry didn't do one to this. Well, some of the lyrics kind of wrote itself, and then I uh-huh. took me a while. To, took me much, much longer to come up with the lyrics than you you, you could probably possibly do in uh, a quarter of the time, or, uh-huh. or one-tenth of the time that I invested trying to come up with the words. But 
Uh, yeah, thank you. I, well, you I, did a I, great I, job. Well, thanks. Well, I, I I pitched it to you, and you said, "Yeah, let me take a you know, I'll take a stab at it." And you know, I gave you what oh, I yeah. had, and then, you, you, yeah, thank you. I thought it turned out great. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. Okay, well, once again, we will be not covering Batman number one hundred and eighty-eight. Hey, but it did get noticed <laughs> that the Eraser did appear in a recent Detective Comics. Yes. That was Detective Comics Annuals number two, and that was not Love long that. mentioned after uh, we mentioned the character on this podcast. So was it a coincidence? Well, you be the judge. We're not <laughs> saying it was us, but who knows? But <laughs> who knows? Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of coincidences, not to be confused with any of the past excellent JLMA podcast crossovers, but mm-hmm. by sheer coincidence, with our slated schedule, the next trade paperback that we had scheduled for this episode is Blackest Night. Blackest Night is a 308-page, full-color, soft-cover trade paperback that was published by DC Comics in July 2011. This trade paperback collects the Blackest Night miniseries, issue numbers 0 through 8. Those issues were originally cover dated June 2009 through May 2010. Those issues were originally cover priced at $3.99, except for issue number 0, which was free as a part of DC Comics' offering for free comic book day, Way back in 2009, 10 years ago. Where's the time wow. gone, Jerry? <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. It should be noted that this miniseries ran in conjunction with other, smaller miniseries and one-shots with various heroes of the DC Universe, which we will be not covering on this podcast if you're keeping score at home. (laughs) This trade paperback has gone through various printings, and there also exists a hardcover version, which originally came out in July 2010, and had a cover price of $29.99. In 2013, DC Comics released An Absolute Darkest Night, Mm. A book which retailed for $125, and it came with a slipcase, and it collected Blackest Night, uh, Free Comic Book Day, number zero, uh, the Blackest Night miniseries one through eight, Untold Tales of Blackest Night, number one, Blackest Night Director's Cut, number one, and Green mm. Lanterns, volume three, numbers 43 through 48, 50 through 52, and material from DC Universe Zero. Number zero. <laughs> okay, hmm. now, for being, quote, absolute, this may have not been all-inclusive. In 2016, DC came out with The Darkest Night Unwrapped, a hardcover black and white for $34.99 U.S. that collected all nine issues, which allowed the reader to enjoy the story through artist Ivan Reese's incredibly intricate original pencils. And just this year, in 2019, DC Comics released the Black Knight Omnibus Hardcover, 10th Anniversary hmm. Edition, which collected... Now, hold your breath now. Mm-hmm. It collects Blackest Night numbers <laughs> 0 through 8, Adventure Comics, uh, second series number 4, 5, and 7, Blackest Night Batman 1 through 3, Blackest Night Flash issues 1 through 3, Blackest Night JSA issues mm-hmm. 1 through 3, <laughs> Blackest Night Superman issues 1 through 3, wow. Blackest Night Tales of the Corp issues 1 through 3, Blackest Night Titans issues 1 through 3, Blackest Night Wonder Woman issues 1 through 3, wow. Catwoman volume 3 number 83, Green Arrow Black Canary number 30, Green Lantern volume 3 issues number 43 through 53, Green Lantern's Core 39 through 47, Phantom Stranger number 42, Ooh. Starman number 81, Suicide Squad number 67, The Adam and the Hawkman number 46, The Power of Shazam number 48, The Question number 37, and Untold Tales of the Blackest Night and Weird Western Tales number 71. And that 664-page book has a cover price of $150. It's a bargain. How about that? Yes. Now, if you're interested in obtaining a version of just this 
Blackest Night miniseries that we're covering. The original issues appear to be going for a little over cover price in the back issue market. A tangible trade can be had for less than cover price for between $8 to $11 US at the time of this recording. And cheaper still, this appears to be available on Comixology for $5.99. Mm-hmm. And I do want to say I don't know if this is available on the DC Universe app. I presume it is. Okay, now, for a creative team, I'm going to go off some online resources in my memory. Our writer is Jeff Johns. Now, to cover Jeff Johns' entire body of work would almost take up a whole podcast, but here's the shorter version. Jeff Johns was born on January 25th, 1973 in Detroit, Michigan. Hey, shout out, Detroit. His alma mater is Michigan State University. As a child, Johns and his brother first discovered comics through an old box of comics they found in their grandmother's attic which included the copies of The Flash, Superman, Green Lantern, and Batman from the 1960s and the 1970s. Johns eventually began to patronize a comic shop in Traverse City, recalling that the first new comics he bought were Crisis on Infinite Earths, number 3 or 4, and The Flash, number 348 or 349, as the latter was his favorite character. John's intern for the movie director Richard Donner. During a New York visit and touring DC Comics offices, he was offered to pitch ideas, Mm -hmm. including the series Stars and Stripe, about the second version of The Star-Spangled Kid. I think this would be where I first encountered his work. Other early credits include the Wally West Flash, which uh, he said... Quote, when I wrote The Flash, I turned Keystone City into Detroit. I made it into a car town. I make a lot of my characters from Detroit. Mm. I think self-made blue-collar heroes represent Detroit, and Wally's West Flash was like that. Mm. I took the inspiration of the city and the people there and just used it in the books. Unquote. John's run would go from issue number 164 through issue number 225 of The Flash. In the early 2000s, he had two years on Marvel's comics The Avengers, and later he would return to DC Comics with Green Lantern and Superman. On February 18, 2010, Johns was named the Chief Creative Officer of DC Comics Entertainment. Johns served as a co-producer and creative consultant for the 2011 Green Lantern film, and was an executive producer on the 2016 film Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. He was a producer on the Justice League film, and he co-wrote for the Aquaman movie that came out in 2018, and he also did the screenplay for Wonder Woman 1984. Mm -hmm. In 2018, John stepped down from his executive role at DC Entertainment to open a production company called Mad Ghost Productions. Currently, though, you can find his writing work on DC's epic sequel of The Watchmen, Doomsday Clock. Our penciler is Ivan Rice. Ivan Rice is from Brazil past credits include Dark Horse Comics Ghost, which is probably where I first encountered his work. Other credits include Marvel's Iron Man and The Defenders and The Avengers. For DC Comics, he worked on Green Lantern, Aquaman, Justice League, and you can fr- currently find his pencils on the title Superman. And he's doing a fine, fine job over there. Mm-hmm. Should mention, we have some co- uh, focal characters that we will be looking at here. One of them is called the Black Hand. Black Hand first appeared in Green Lantern, Volume 1, Number 29, cover dated June 1964. He was created by John Broom and Gil Kane. Initially, he creates a device able to absorb the residue of a Green Lantern's power ring's energy from any object that it it touches. Mm -hmm. Once fueled by this energy, he has a device that can be then used much the same way as Green Lantern's ring. In one crime spree, he uses that device to persuade the general public that the items he's stolen have, in fact, never been touched. Hmm. Uh, then we also have a character called Necron, or Necron. He first appeared in Tales of Green Lantern Corps number 2. It was covered dated June 1981. He was created by Mike W. Barr, Len Wein, and Joe Stanton. He's an embodiment of death and commands the souls of the dead. 
Okay, now over on Amazon.com, this has a rating of four and a half stars out of five, mm-hmm. based on 322 reviews. And over on Goodreads.com, this has a rating of 4.17 stars out of five, based on 9,378 mm-hmm. reviews, or excuse me, ratings, and 420 reviews. A trade paperback that has gone through numerous printings sometimes can mm-hmm. indica- indicate the quality of a particular work, uh-huh, but not mm-hmm. so fast. Just what do Jerry and I think of this? And with that, I shall turn it back over to you, Jerry. Thanks, Chris. So we're going to talk about the story after a few messages from some of our friends. Greetings, Gothamites. Lane here, asking, does the world really need another Batman podcast? Well, of course it does. He's Batman. However, rather than tackle Batman in comic books, movies, or television... My podcast, Batman Books, The Dark Knight and Prose, will follow the caped crusader via the written word, where the only pictures are those formed in the imagination. Each season, I choose a different book to delve into, and each episode dives deep into a few chapters at a time. So join me as I explore the streets of Gotham between the covers of novels and novelizations in Batman Books, The Dark Knight and Prose. Welcome back. Here is the story of Blackest Night. For those fortunate enough to visit a comic shop on Free Comic Book Day in 2009, you'll be reminded that Bruce Wayne is supposedly dead and buried next to his parents in an unmarked grave. Unmarked because Batman is presumed dead, and, spoiler alert, Bruce is Batman. People would put two and two together. This makes Green Lantern Hal Jordan sad. He's visited by Flash Barry Allen at Bruce's grave. Barry was presumed dead at one point, too, but he came back. Hal was presumed dead, too, but he came back. Maybe Bruce will come back. Other people are dead, too, in all the recent unpleasantness. Aquaman, Martian Manhunter, Sue Dibney, who was killed by the Adams ex Gene Loring in Identity Crisis, Ralph Dibney, Elongated Man, Ronnie Raymond, who's one of the Firestorms, Ted Cord, and many more. A creepy dude goes to Ronnie's grave and, by his black hand, hint, hint, raises him from the dead <laughs> as a kind of a zombie. I'm going to refer to these cre- creepy resurrected folks as zombies. I'm not sure if that's right or not, but that's what I'm going to do. Uh, FYI, there are a whole bunch of different lanterns. So, green lanterns like Hal, Kyle Rayner, John Stewart, Guy Gardner, and Kilowog. And these green lanterns have willpower. Red Lanterns, like Atrocitus, who feed off rage. There's Agent Orange, like Larflees, who feed off avarice. The Yellow Lantern Sinestro Corps feed off fear. Blue Lanterns have hope. The Indigo Tribe, their emotion is compassion. And the Star Sapphire emotion is love. Now, there's also a Black Lantern Corps. Their emotion is death. Now, technically, death isn't an emotion, but, you know, you get the idea. So this is the group that Black Hand is in. (laughs) So Black Hand goes to the grave Bruce Wayne is said to be buried in. He digs him up and takes his skull, and I think he maybe licks it. No judgment. Everyone has their thing. It's the anniversary of the day Superman died. Now, this used to be a day of mourning. But now that he's back, it's a day to celebrate heroes and visit the dead heroes' graves. And all over the world, there are soups and cemeteries and celebrations. 
Alfred visits Bruce's grave, and it's dug up. Uh Uh-oh. Now, the guardians of Oa are attacked by the Black Lanterns. Black Lantern rings are jammed onto their fingers, and they become zombies. Also, lots of those dead soups get rings and rise as zombies. Hawkman and Hawkgirl get visited by Zombie Elongated Man. They are prompted by him to feel anger, and black lantern rings are jammed onto their fingers. They become zombies, too. Hal and Barry are attacked by Zombie Martian Manhunter. The two fight and run from him. So kind of the shtick is here for the bad guy zombie to use their knowledge of their relationship with their victim to make them feel strong emotion. And this strong emotion can be fed off for killing them and it's charging up some kind of battery somewhere. For example, zombie Aquaman attacks Mira and the gang and he uses their past to anger them and make them sad or whatever. And so he can get stronger and take them over. So but he doesn't quite get Mira. Batman has been cloned now and resurrected, but when he goes to attack folks, he doesn't recognize anyone, and he kind of is taken off the stage here. They try to kill Deadman, but surprise, Deadman's already dead, which they would have known if they listened to (laughs) what his name was. Um, When the zombies kill one of the heroes, they get a black ring, and the hero turns into a zombie, too. So zombie Hawkman gets Adam to visit him. He does, and they fight. And there's lots of zombies fighting. Different lantern colors show up to join the battle. So the basic uh, idea here is that the world is a battle between black and white. And white is made up of a spectrum of many colors, like the lanterns. But the light is unstable because it's made up of many different competing things. And black is made up of one thing. So it's stable. So black is taking an advantage of that to be supreme in the universe. So a few episodes uh, of Bat Books ago, there was an arc where people were trying to reanimate soups and create evil clones. I think that was back in a Nightwing title. So lots of these superpower folks were buried in the basement of JLA headquarters so nobody could dig them up and clone them. Uh, They're good guys and bad. Yeah, well, that's a weakness here because they all rise as zombies now. So Mira, Flash, and the Atom, they lead the fight against these baddies while Hal Hal goes out to rouse the lanterns. Now, the Black Lanterns finally kill and freak out enough people to generate uh, and generate all this bad emotion to become 100% charged up. Now Black Hand can raise Necron, which I guess was the plan all along. So Hal gets Sinestro and his gang to join the fight. There are black lantern rings coming for Hal and Barry. They outrun the rings by Barry running really fast. Now, now, Chris, I know he has run really fast before, but this time, yeah, he runs really fast. So, you know, that's <laughs> he needs to. So now Wonder Woman joins the fight, but she yes. gets zombified. Mira fights her. And even Sinestro is helping out. Zombie Jean Loring fights her ex, the Atom, which is freaky. Luckily, Dead Man possesses her briefly, and he sees the Black Lantern plan. They're coming to Earth, where the Black Lantern has been hidden. Of course it is. So Ganthet of Oa tries to hold off the Black Lanterns. Now, according to the Book of Oa, 
in the shadow of the blackest night, which is presumably now, each lantern ring can deputize another for 24 hours. You see what happens when you read the instruction manual? You get there these you nuggets. Very helpful. So Lex Luthor sees all this chaos, but he figures his bunker will protect him. That does not work out so well. His bunker is breached, but he gets orange ring deputized. Scarecrow gets yellow ring deputized into the Sinestro Corps. Ray Palmer, the Atom, gets indigo ring deputized. Mira gets a red ring. Star Sapphires send a ring to Wonder Woman, who's a zombie, and who, after several tense panels, is able to break the black ring's hold on her because of her inherent awesomeness. So, Scarecrow and Luther, they fight each other over who's going to kill Black Hand. Luther takes Scarecrow's yellow ring and tries to get Mira's red ring. There's trouble amongst the good guys. But then Necron digs up the Entity, which is a flashing <laughs> bright light. Hal tries to take control of it, but Sinestro insists that he wants to drive. Sinestro seizes control of the power and declares himself the greatest lantern of all. He pulls out Necron's heart, but it turns out Necron doesn't really need a heart. And Sinestro freaks out and drops the ball. What an idiot. So Lex Luthor is next in line to be the sole savior of the universe. And that does not go any better. The good guys, you see, have to work together, don't you know? Ego trips are not going to get this done. So Necron tries to take credit for the resurrection of all the dead heroes, right? When you came back from the dead, guys, that was because of me. But the heroes realize it was them that chose to live. So they combine powers and all the good guys become White Lanterns. This even raises the Anti-Monitor to life. Oh, boy. So they overwhelm the Black Lanterns. The Necron energy is removed from the body of, turns out to be William Hand, the zombie heroes that were dead, like Aquaman and Martian Manhunter, are brought back to life. Even Dead Man is now alive. They realize that since Batman didn't know any of them when he came back, the body in the grave was a fake. And Tim Drake must be right. Bruce is alive somewhere. Black Hand is missing. The entity is still out there somewhere. The universe is saved. And DC has resurrected a lot of its IP. Hooray. The end. So Chris and I are going to talk about our feelings for this story after these words from some of our friends. Sawate. My name is Stella, and I am the host of Backroll to Oracle, the Barbara Gordon podcast. Backroll to Oracle is a podcast dedicated to Barbara Gordon, the first woman to hold the mantle of Backroll for an extended period of time, roughly 1967 to 1988. The goal of Backroll to Oracle is to examine the character's history from her first appearance as Backroll and continuing through her tenure as Oracle. Each episode looks at a vintage issue of Detective Comics or Batman, as well as other books like Justice League and Freedom Fighters, and modern issues of Batgirl and Birds of Prey. I also keep track of news involving Batgirl and other members of the Bat family, and I have a revolving series of segments like Babs in the Tube, which highlights appearances of Babs in TV and film, Shipper Spotlight, which looks at a variety of comic and pop culture couples, gives their history, and determines whether they are hot or not, Reading with Stella, which could be described as an audio drama, or just me reading a book that relates to Babs or doesn't, and of course, the mainstay literature recommendation. 
I've been blessed to interview writers Scott Beatty and Chuck Dixon on their back row year one work, Brian Q. Miller on his back row run, Dwayne Swarzynski and Christy Marks on their separate Birds of Prey work, and the creators and actors of the back row spoiled the web series. I hope to interview more creators and actors in the future. My goal, most importantly, is to make a fun, entertaining, and thoughtful show that people enjoy and from which they learn. Find the show online at thebatmanuniverse.net and iTunes, and follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at Oracle. Thank you, and fly on, Bats lovers. Welcome back. Okay, Chris, what'd you think? Oh, Jerry, where do you start? I know. <laughs> uh, well, first off, you know, really, 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 really great job with the uh, story <laughs> recap on that. Uh, my applause to you. You did a fine job. There was just so many things happening here with uh, the story with respect to that. Uh, let's see. Well, let me take the easy way first. Uh, mm-hmm. This had a re- for an event book. There was a lot of great artwork here, yeah. and uh, Ivan Rice is to be commended here. Definitely. I really thought the characters were identifiable. Mm-hmm. There was uh, things depicted epic in scope. There were so many characters that. That, uh, he had to nail down in so little pages. There was a lot that he crammed in. A lot of two-page spreads that I thought were really, really gorgeous. And there, I, I was, as yeah. I was taking notes, I was almost to the point where, okay, I, I'm, I'm going to stop because there's just too many to mention here. Mm-hmm. But it seemed mm-hmm. like every issue had something which was suitable for a poster. It was just, just fine, fine gorgeous. stuff. Gorgeous. Yep. Uh, here we are again with another quote-unquote event book, and I know we've we've tackled a few of these, and I, I've done so with trepidation because I don't know if I would necessarily classify them as a quote Batman book per se. Yeah. I, I think it's it can be argued. You know, we we did allude to uh, Bruce Wayne certainly here. Uh, I, I don't know if this was more of a Green Lantern book or a Justice League book, if you will. But uh, mm-hmm. nonetheless, here we are. This was a pretty big event back in the day, too. They did a lot to promote it. I remember they also gave the little plastic rings out that uh, people were collecting back then to uh, get all the different rings of the different colors with a uh, fine promo. I had forgotten how well Mira was depicted in this. Yeah. Uh, she was a really, really outstanding character, and this was somebody I thought really is somewhat overlooked with, with when you bring up the, the, the recollecting uh, things with... Uh, Blackest Night, here she is, and it's just a great spotlight shown on her, and this was one of the character's best stories, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But overall, I thought this was very overwhelming. I, mm-hmm. I had to digest this in pieces. After a couple of issues, I had to take a break. My, yeah. my mind was kind of an overload. And uh, a part of it was kind of me thinking of Spinal Tap in a sense that, you know, when they get the black album cover and it's just all black and there's nothing yeah. on it, it's just like, how dark can this be, man? You know, just everything is so black. <laughs> you know, just like, you know, it just can't get much more death than this, you know. And, yeah. Uh, it, it was a little murky and a little bit overwhelming. I, I have to commend uh, Rice with the artwork, yeah. which elevate, which will elevate my final score. But uh, I thought this was just an overwhelming piece and uh, a little bit epic, epic in scope, and I can appreciate that. But um, I, I just got too bogged down with uh, too many mechanizations with respect to the colors, and I almost needed a scorecard or like a side book or a side guide, mm. some cliff notes, if you will, to mm-hmm. kind of explain well, who these characters were and what their reference was with respect to past DC lore. Even even myself, yeah. as, as somebody who's read the comics for decades, I, I was kind of lost in places. And here we have characters that have since been resurrected and some who have stayed dead. So mm-hmm. after the dust settles, we're, at the end of the day, where are we on this? Yeah. <laughs> Jerry, there, there was a lot on the floor here. Uh, what were your initial impressions? Well, you know, these DC crossover events... They're not really my bag, right? I, I'm a Bat fan. 
I, you know, I've read some Flash, I've read some Green Lanterns, I read some Hawkman, you know, I've, and, you know, of course, we've done Identity Crisis in the past on this show, and there's a lot of references to that in this story. Um, but that's not my main interest in, uh, comics, you know, and, and for DC comics, my main interest is Batman and Bat Family stuff, and they really weren't in this. Um, this is much more, um, about, you know, Green Lantern lore and, um, things like that. And, um, but I definitely recognize that a lot of people and a lot of people listening to the show may love that stuff too. So, um, I think those folks would, you know, appreciate this story a lot more than maybe I did. Um, there's a lot of call outs to obscure characters. Um, and, and for folks, you know, I know there are a lot of, um, Hawkman fans, um, people love, love that character and there's, you know, a, a nice, uh, bit of work with, with those characters in here. So I think folks like that would really like this. For a beginner, though, um, especially a Bat Family um, beginner that doesn't have a lot of experience outside the Bat Family, this is going to be a tough read, I think. Um, and that's, you know, it was hard for me. And you mentioned that, you know, you had to put it down a couple of times, as did I. Uh, it was a little tough to get through. And, and I knew a lot of the shout outs. So, you know, there are zombies here. That was very big back then. You know, zombies were everywhere, especially back around uh, 2009, 2010. We saw some Kirby crackle in a couple of panels, which <laughs> yes, I like yes. to see. That was cool. Um, you know, but this is a comic that ha- there's a lot of flying and punching and, you know, going through through the air, you know, fist first and, you know, that kind of, um, you know, comic bookery. Um, and so I think for folks, and I know a lot of folks love that, love that. Um, I think this would be awesome for them. Um, I do think that for, for people that want a deeper dive, that JL May, um, event, uh, those podcasts would be somewhere to, to check out a little more deeply. Um, and you mentioned about the, uh, wanting a scorecard. Uh, I, I always was referring back to that, um, the free comic book day. Um, book, which had all the different lanterns and who was in the different lantern core. And, um, you know, you could, you could look at the characters and kind of try to keep track of everyone. Um, and you're, but you're absolutely right about the art. I mean, really poster worthy stuff all over the place. Jerry, did any particular character resonate with you any more than another? Or was there anything that was sort of a turnoff? I thought everything was in perfect voice. I will have to give uh, John's that uh, with respect to that. Yeah. Yeah. I like the, the Hawkman stuff and um, that yeah. stuff really worked for me. I'm not a big Hawkman, you know, I don't know very much about him um, or their, you know, the setup there. I've read a little, but um, I thought that was pretty intriguing. Um, and then you mentioned Mira was really well done here, and I thought so too. Absolutely. Uh, Jerry, pose a question to you. Could mm-hmm. Do you think this story could have been told perhaps with one issue less? Mm. Or, or did, did, did it get a little too wordy or bogged down for you in some places? Or, or, or was it just right? Um, you know, it was definitely too long for me, and anything that could have shortened it would have probably helped me get through it. Um, you know, it was kind of, if you think about the, all the steps that we're going to, you know, raise Batman to get the connection to the power to raise the, all these other people so that we can fire up the lantern so we can raise Necron so we can raise the entity so we can, 
you know, maybe we could have skipped one of those steps. Yeah, and What'd while I, I did, well, that, that was one of the things I was thinking about myself too, because I thought the Hal and Barry exchanges were really, really nice. And mm. you know, for for somebody who was a fan in the Silver and Bronze Age, you you remember the rapport the two characters had. Uh, the, mm-hmm. They they appeared in each other's books for a couple of uh, team ups and adventures. But I, I almost kind of thought. There, there was. Well, I don't. I don't want to say th- things were a little bit, maybe a panel too much. But I, I kind of, I kind of got it. Maybe it was trying to reestablish mm-hmm. some some connection for a newer reader, perhaps. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I just felt so overwhelmed. Yeah. I, I, even as as a uh, comic fan, I, and this is something I could have craved. You know, I don't mind a, a crossover event. I don't mind sure. a quote unquote. Uh, event book which incorporates uh, a lot of characters from the DC universe all in one big adventure mm-hmm. told in you know six to eight issues or what have you and but for this one I, uh, he, the threat was almost a little too dark and menacing for me I I, I, I know you have to have the pretty high stakes with respect mm-hmm. to when you're going to put all these characters in this big mishmash a lot of fun in some places, but some I thought was just a little superfluous in others. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do also, also mention uh, there was some Ray Palmer stuff here, which was yep. pretty good as well. Yeah, I don't know if uh, uh, Ray was in the voice that I kind of knew Ray from back in the day, mm-hmm. but there it is, and it was nice to see some of these old characters having their moments. But, you know, at, at the end, I, 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 my memory isn't as good for events like say 10 years ago as opposed to something from the 70s mm-hmm. or 80s at my age and just to see which characters were dead in this time period and which weren't and then yeah. trying to remember now who, who's still alive and who isn't it, it, it was very daunting yeah and it just reminds you of sort of the landscape from back in the day of how many characters were killed off yeah and 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 and, and died and I thought, wow, did did we really get this dark in in the period from the late mm-hmm. '80s to the '90s? It was just uh, pretty brutal with with yeah. the, with the tally of all these characters, be it hero or villain alike, if you will. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it was a tough bit. And then trying to compare and compress to like who's alive now versus mm-hmm. back then, and then with the events and heroes <laughs> in crisis as well, oh, with respect yeah. to Tom King, you know, it, it's just sort of. Uh, it's coming at me at a, at a weird time, you know, and trying to keep things straight in my brain yeah. with respect to some some uh, continuity <laughs> you know, and everything like that. So uh, interesting interesting slice of uh, the time period. It was a very ambitious project. Yeah. I, I do have to give credit, Johns, for uh, some accurate references, and I did like some nods to the uh, older villains, if you will, and, and uh, props to some mm-hmm. creativity. But that said, it, it was it was confusing in some places, and I, I, I just uh, felt overwhelmed. So. Yeah. There I, I felt am. the same. So if you were going to rate this or, you know, is this a must read or recommended book, you know, where would you fall on that? Jerry, th- th- this was the question I dreaded throughout the whole podcast because I, I, I certainly admire the ambitiousness of the project. I will have to award, uh, with respect to the score, uh, the artwork was outstanding. And I, I do have to take into account some of that. And this will at least increase my score simply based on the art alone. Mm-hmm. This is definitely not for a newbie, so I guess mm-hmm. I have to give a rating with respect to an asterisk. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm going to say this is sort of like a. I'm going to have to go three point 
3.5, maybe a 3, mm-hmm. well, 3.5. I guess I'm going to elevate it with respect to the artwork. Yeah. That said, my asterisk is this This is not a book for beginners. This is somebody you're going to have to get yourself a little bit acquainted with the DCU. I think if you were to read this yeah. cold and it only had just a general knowledge with respect to the uh, core characters of the Justice League of America and their respective powers and just a little bit of history, even then there are little bits of nuances. Does this story hold up? I mean... Do the remnants of this story still have an impact today with respect to the DCU? I have to question that because we have yeah. characters that are since been revived and uh, <laughs> that that are sort of there that uh, were were dead in the prior past. Uh, you're, you're kind of getting into a weird area with respect to the Barry Allens and the Arthur Currys mm-hmm. and all that. And at the end of the day, you know it, things tend to be cyclical, so. Characters. Some characters don't stay dead, Jerry, as we know about our comic yeah, book reading. True. And it's very confusing to uh, come at this from, from what you know now to what you knew then. Mm-hmm. I think I would have had a higher score had I read it back in the day, and this was new and fresh. But I'm looking at it from ten, a 10 years later lens, mm-hmm. and I think that's affecting my score because uh, events have changed since then, and uh, I'm not sure yeah. it really holds up. Unfortunately, so you know what I'm. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to change it to a three. I think I, I talked myself okay. out of the three and a half. But uh, <laughs> great artwork. Uh, definitely not a book for a beginner, but uh, a, a, a good, yeah. ambitious read. Uh, something you're gonna have to take some time to digest with. But uh, lots of fun. And if you're a DC fan, uh, you're gonna get some nice shoutouts there. Yeah, for sure. Jerry, I turn the tables and ask you, what yeah. would your rating be? So for me, I, I guess right two and a half is about an average. Um, you know, between um, zero and five. Sure. And, you know, for me, this was definitely a less than average experience for me. So I would have to put it around a two um, for me personally, somebody that's not that interested in the wider um, DC universe outside the Bat Family. There was precious little Bat Family stuff in here. I think the only real thing that we learned is now other folks are beginning to believe that Bruce isn't really dead. So that's a little bit of an advance in the story, but kind of, you know, I trusted Tim anyway, so, um, <laughs> you know, that's fine. Uh, um, but I, I can see how somebody that was a real fan of one of these, you know, character groups like the Hawkman or the Aquaman um, or the Flash or Lanterns would really get a kick out of this book. So, you know, I can see that for uh, uh, one of those kinds of comic fans that this might be awesome for them. Um, you know, maybe a four O. So I would kind of split the difference. You know, I respect that this is an ambitious and, um, kind of sprawling book that does a lot of great things, right. That has a lot of great art. So I would kind of average it out with a 3.0 myself and with the same asterisk, you know, depends who you are. This is not for a beginner beginner. Um, I think as much as we criticized identity crisis for being a little too sprawling, I think, that might be a little easier to digest first if you really wanted to understand some of the background commentary about this event because a lot of the things that happened in Identity Crisis are shouted out here. So I think, yeah, a 3.0 I think is where I would come down on it. Okay, I uh, would you say this is a must-read and uh, would you recommend it? I do not think it's a must-read. I mean, if uh, like you say, the you know some people are brought back in this one that had previously been dead. Look, if you go to a comic book and Aquaman's alive, 
he's alive. If he's dead, he's dead. You know, you just take it as it kind of comes. Um, I didn't really realize at this point how many of these characters were dead. And you just got to, you know, they present it. Arthur Curry's dead. You suck it up and you just read the story as it is. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if I shouted out my must-read or recommend with my uh, rating, but uh, I think it was more of a must-read back then, in, the, mm. in as much as that it's not so much a must-read now, which yeah. is kind of sad to say. What I recommend it, I'd certainly recommend it for the state of an artwork standpoint. If you're going to get some beautifully rendered characters from the DC Universe, yes. Yeah, if you're going to read sure. this, you're going to have to read this with a little bit of trepidation. Uh, mm-hmm. The events uh, that occur here don't necessarily... Uh, stay true as they are in the DCU as landscape as we know it. Um, boy, but what an yeah. ambitious project, though. But uh, it, it, yeah, for, sure. I almost needed a color wheel too, just to kind of remind me what color <laughs> meant what. <laughs> yeah. As well, you know, which yeah. which could have helped. I, I think that a lot is thrown at you with this, but uh, there are some uh, little bits of moments here which, which with character bonding, yeah. as a longtime DC fan would appreciate, and it was nice to see uh, Hal and Barry uh, talking like they did in the old days. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, as you mentioned, Jerry the Hawkman stuff was really really good with Carter and Shayra as well. They, they had some nice moments as well. Mira was outstanding in this. So um, for for a longtime uh, DC fan, yeah, the, you, the, this is a nice trip down uh, nostalgia lane, if you mm-hmm. will. Yeah, great. So that's all we have on this book. Now, Chris and I, we both do other things out in the wide world of uh, social networking and podcasting and whatnot. And you can find Chris out on Twitter at BTO and Bat Books. And he also um, does some uh, reviews of Batman Adventures on Batgirl to Oracle podcast, which is terrific. You want to talk about that a little, Chris? Well, thanks so much, Jerry. Yes, I've got a segment on Stella's show called Chris's Cornucopia of Curiosities that Stella has uh, (laughs) dubiously (laughs) gave me that uh, show moniker. And I'm very grateful to be on her show. Yeah, I'm looking at the Batman Adventures comic book, which was based on the animated series from the 90s back in the day. And these are some really, really good, good Batman stories with an excellent depiction of the character. I'm having a lot of fun with it. I also have a segment within a segment called Nightwatch, and that's where I look at the character Nightwing from a shipper perspective, just to see if anything's going on there with respect to that character. And it's been a lot of fun. And Jerry, I know uh, you're also on Twitter. Mm -hmm. I'm on Twitter at BTO and Bad Books, but you're on Twitter at Professor Frenzy. You do a lot of things. Uh, mm-hmm. I want to hear what you also tweet about, and oh, yeah. you're also on Monster Kid Radio, That's where you're covering right. some EC horror comics with back in the day. That's a lot of fun. Now, what can you tell us about about that? Yeah, so I've been doing uh, for Monster Kid Radio. I've been doing segments where I tell the story about one of the EC horror comic stories, and you know, I get to do um, you know tell tell the spooky story and play some music behind it and give a little breakdown uh, for Monster Kid fans who um, you know want to want to hear a little bit about comic books so it's it is a lot of fun that's a terrific show and i'm just loving it um and as you pointed out on twitter um i'm at professor frenzy and we do a lot of tweeting of, particularly on saturday nights listening to uh or watching um Spenguli, who just had his 40th anniversary so congratulations to Spenguli. And uh, he shows horror movies, and we live-tweet the horror movie. And last night, it was The Attack of the 50-Foot Woman, and that was a lot of fun. It was. I haven't seen that movie in oh. 
probably it's probably been a couple of decades since I last saw it, and it was a great, 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 great bad movie for Sun Gully Day out yeah. there. Uh, a lot of fun. You know, I I, I, sh- I shouldn't say that it's bad, but you know, the effects were possibly bad, and some of the the, yeah. the acting, what have you. But it was an enjoyable night totally. nonetheless, and it was a huge treat to see that one. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that one as well. It just just some great stuff. It was, and now. Also, folks, shouldn't forget to check Chris and I out on the Professor Frenzy show. So by the time this episode is aired, we will have, gosh, we're at the 59, 60 episodes of the Professor Frenzy show. And that's uh, a podcast that Chris and I are doing on indie comics and other pop culture topics. And we've been having a fantastic time. So check the show out. You can search on iTunes for the Professor Frenzy show. Jerry, you know, we had some scheduling stuff between our podcast and the Batman Universe comic podcast. So when this episode drops, you know, there's going to be sort of a little bit of overlap. So we've got some mail to cover uh, with respect to the past two episodes. Um, Our most recent issue uh, issue, (laughs) episode (laughs) dropped. And... We didn't quite get as many likes and retweets yet, so we, when we get to that part, we'll, we'll probably get a few more, so mm-hmm. we might leave some people out, don't want to do that, but it is what it is. But, you know, if you want, like to leave us a comment, you can do so on Twitter, to at myself, or oh, on, yeah. the, on the Twitter feed with respect to the episode, or at BT on Bat Books, or Jerry at Professor Frenzy. But if you have something a little bit lengthier, mm-hmm. uh, best bets to go over to the Batman Universe homepage, and you could just hit a response right there, and yeah. reply and make a comment on the episode itself. And we we were very fortunate that we did get some uh, quite a bit of uh, feedback with respect to our previous episodes. Well, first up, we heard from uh, Lane from the Dark Knight and oh, Prose yeah. podcast, and this was for episode 206, where we covered Red Robin the Grail. Mm. And Lane goes on to say, Hi, Jerry and Chris, and the rest of the TBU world. These comment sections seem underutilized, so my goal is to use them more often. Well, thank All you, right. Lane. Then she says, Jerry, I agree with Chris, regarding your song for this episode, you totally outdid yourself. Dark Side of the Moon. She goes on to say, I have an odd memory attached to that song. Mm -hmm. During my childhood and youth, I was fairly sheltered and wasn't exposed to much music. At least not until I got out of high school and started expanding my horizons. When I was Mm -hmm. 22, many and many a year ago... I moved out of state for the first time with my then-boyfriend. We bounced around the East Coast a bit, from one job site to the next, doing artwork of cleaning and waxing floors of large stores. The first time I heard Dark Side of the Moon, I was in Ocala, Florida, pushing a broom around nightly miles of aisles, three times up and down each aisle with the broom, two times up and down each aisle with a mop behind the scrubber, and another three times up and down with a buffer. Boy, I did a lot of walking on the job. But anyway, as I was saying, I was pushing a broom, half listening to the music playing over the store speakers. Then that song got to the beautiful chorus. I have a very strong memory of Mm. turning the corner to start up another aisle of the refrigerated section, being totally lost in Pink Floyd for the first time in my life. I remember being so moved by that song, I had to hold back tears, which were never very far away because I was homesick and tired from working literally seven nights a week over a year. Seriously. We had Christmas Eve, Christmas, and New Year's Eve off. That's (sighs) it. Brutal. So yeah, your lovely cover of that song brought back a flood of memories. It might sound like they were bad memories, but... They're really not. It was a time of exploration in my young adulthood, coming of age, while I struggled emotionally and physically during those two years, and also mm. the experiences that I had I never would have had otherwise. Yep. Wait, this comic should be about your show, not about me, right? Sorry. But seriously, <laughs> great job as always, guys. Thank you for the insight to this Hello. issue and for the trip down memory lane. Well, Jerry, yes, we, we should take a, uh, acknowledgement of the very, very fine work that you do with respect to that oh, song. thank and, you. Uh, 
Jerry, uh, Dark Side of the Moon. Any any particular memories and a thing you associate with that particular song? Um, you know, for for that song, I I just think about the the origin of the song, which is um, it is a bittersweet song where they're talking about uh you know it's the pink floyd members talking about sid barrett and you know the 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 problems that he had and they had to kind of kick him out of the band and how much they missed him because he was really the main part of the band so you know that was really sad and i think that um, you know bittersweet i think is the the right thing for that for that song and you know as with with Lane's experience you know music does that to people right it has it really sets you certain songs set you in time and place uh, that is really powerful and nothing else does it like music does yeah i, I could i could go on I, I and i love to hear stories like that because yeah. certain songs evoke certain memories sure. for me uh with respect to a time and place that i can distinctly remember um mm-hmm. you know with with with, with a period I, I like let's say uh if if i'm listening to if i hear the song uh, Sir Duke by Stevie Wonder. Oh, yeah. I am driving in the backseat of my mom's car down <laughs> Poplar Avenue in Memphis because that, that's you know that song was blurring on the radio at that particular time in 1977. Yeah. I, I have distinct memory with respect to that. Uh, For sure. You know, just just certain songs bring back certain memories, and, and I was very very flattered to have uh, Lane share that. And yeah. Jerry. You know, the things that you put together with respect to the show, not just for the story recaps, but with respect to the music. And mm. uh, you, you've got a great talent, my oh, friend, with, thank with you. respect to that. And, and we're very fortunate to have you on the TBU oh. doing this. And um, <laughs> I'm very fortunate to have, <laughs> be across from you in this podcast uh, chair, if well, you will, and, and have you here. The, 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 what you bring to this uh, podcast is, is an immense talent. And uh, thank you. And uh, as a podcast partner, I'm very grateful, and evidently uh, so are the listeners. Oh, that's great. And back at you, buddy. I mean, this would not be <laughs> – just for making it so much fun and for bringing the uh, wealth of comic book history and knowledge and love that you do, um, yeah, this is great for me to do as well. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm get you know my memories. I, I got to continue the show, but my mind is floating to other songs and other memories. So I better, uh, you know, Lane. Thank you so much. I, I'm going to have to yeah. write some of these things down as I go by. Well, we should continue. Yes. Uh, let's see. Next up, we heard from uh, our good friend Ian, and he's um, on the Batman Universe. Yeah. You can hear his fine, fine work over on the Batman Universe so comic good. podcast on alternating weeks of this podcast network, and over on Twitter, Ian states. I bought the Grail along with Collision on eBay. Oh. And while it's fun, Collision is much better. The Grail is mostly set up, and mm-hmm. while Raymond Box is a fine artist, he doesn't compare mm-hmm. in my heart to Marcus II. Stephanie's confrontation of Tim is out of character for Tim, yeah. but he's coming off a lot of really dark turns, especially right. with her character in Fabian Nissian's ending of Robin mm-hmm. and Gotham Gazette. It's a long run from darkness to light. And this is the darkness. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Ian. Yeah, I, I really appreciate yeah, respect right. to that comments. And you, you've got such a fine, fine memory with respect to the sweet spot of this era of Batman that we're covering here. And mm-hmm. I really appreciate you chiming in. And I'm sure you got some comments for our <laughs> on our next show. Let's see. Let's see if I can get yeah. keep up and continue a little bit. Well, next up, we heard from Clinton from the Coffee and Comics podcast Great. at the Coffee and Comics blog, and he said, "Red Robin issues and trades are so hard to come by in many places. I'm so very mm. glad that these issues are." the DCU app now. Perfect for following along with this episode. Hey, yeah, thank you so much. Great. 
And let's see, next up we heard from our good friend Sean. And Sean's at the Secret Wars and Beyond podcast. He's on Twitter at Sean42AZ. He loved the Batman-inspired version of Wish You Were Here. Oh, my gosh. And then Green Lantern HG concurred. Yes, Jerry is a genius when it comes to music. Thank you so much, Jerry. Yeah, see, Jerry, you know, (laughs) yeah, they they come for this and they uh, listen for the show. I really, really appreciate that. How about that? Awesome. Now, with the likes and retweets we got for that particular episode, let me give these fine folks a shout-out. We heard from Xenozoic Xenophiles at Xenozoic Files. That's a fan podcast devoted to the Cadillac and Dinosaurs comic series Xenozoic Tales by Mark Schultz. It's part of the Red Adventures Network from our good friends Darren and Ruth. We heard from DC Now. That's a DC fan podcast. Their Twitter handle is at now underscore podcast. We heard from Hot Claws Wolverine at Chief High. We heard from, oh, Justice's First Dawn at Classic JLA. Mm-hmm. We heard from Monster Kid Radio at Monster uh, Kid Radio. Nice. We heard from Bill Beer at Gotham Night 13. Terrific. He's the host and creator of the Bat Pod podcast, and you can find them on Twitter at PodBat. We heard from Iowa's Joe Crawford at Iowa's Joe. Again, right. shout out to Secret Wars and Beyond podcast at Sean42AZ. Good friend, Green Lantern HG at Green Lantern HG. Dr. Right. Wolfman at Dr. Wolfman42. Gal Walks Into a Comic Shop at Gal Walks. Twitter feed for the podcast at Gal Walks Into a Comic Shop. That's where Bob and Barbara get together, and you never know what to expect. I've really been enjoying their new shoes late. I'm glad they're back with a new season. Having lots of fun with that show. Oh, my gosh, you guys. Great guests. Keep up the fine work. And uh, keep up with those quizzes as well. I'm, I'm doing pretty good on that. <laughs> we heard from our good friend Dave at Lava Hog at Lava Hog. He's awesome. uh, the co-host of the Selling Out Show, which their Twitter feed is at Selling Out Show. Great. We heard from Lane, Batman Books oh, at, wonderful. let's see... Batman Books underscore DKP. And I want to give Lane another shout out there. I was very fortunate to appear on a current episode of the Dark Knight and Prose podcast. So go over there and find it. Batman Books, the Dark Knight and Prose, hosted by Lane. She is fantastic yes. and she does a marvelous job with her show. Sure and does. thank you again, Lane, for writing in and commenting and asking me to be on your fine podcast. I really had a blast. Great. Let's see, we heard from Articulated Toy Den mm-hmm. at Smashing Pumpkin 17. Randy, the comics nerd. Hey, Perfect. Randy, thank you so much at Randall Andrews 1. We heard from Have Geek Will Travel at Have underscore Geek. Mm-hmm. Our good friend Laurel at Mountain Floor 1. You can hear her on the Huntress Perfect. Podcast and the Birds of Prey Podcast, Feathers and Foes. We heard yeah. from Mike. Michael Morse at Mike Morse 1017. We heard from Christine Carlson at cat underscore Youngren. Now, moving right along, we had some uh, feedback from our last episode. Yes, this was episode 207 where we covered Batgirl Rising. It just dropped kind of right around the time of this recording, but still we got some feedback and I was hoping to hear from Ian Miller. Yes, we did hear from our good friend Ian Miller and he stated, at long last, I would concur that an exemplary note as the first page of the new stuff trades would be good. There's one like Batwoman by Greg Rucka. However, I firmly believe these are must-reads for all fans because they're so good. Yeah. Smiley face emoji. Yes. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Ian. Well, we hope you did the story proud. I, and I was hoping that you would uh, get a comment in before we yeah. get to record. And this was a good read. And yeah. I, I got to say, yeah, uh, Stephanie Brown is a fantastic character. We yeah. had a lot of fun. And I, I was, whenever I see a, a Batgirl story with Stephanie Brown come up, I said, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to recording this one and we're going to have a great time. Yep. For episode 207, our last episode, we had likes and retweets from, now my apologies up front because uh, this this just recently dropped. And at the time of the recording, here's who we had so far. We had Laurel at Mountain Flower 1. 
We had Fool on the Planet at JoeZilla87, mm-hmm. Liam R. at Liam of Baltimore. It's the Tim Drake Podcast. Oh. Yes, thank you guys at L-E-L-T-D Podcast. One more time, let me say that. Tim Drake Podcast at E-L-T-D Podcast. Again, Lane from Batman Books, The Dark Knight in Prose at Batman Books underscore DKP, Green Lantern HG at Green Lantern HG, and I think that was it. Right. If I have overlooked you, my sincerest apologies and deepest regrets, let me know on Twitter at BTO and Bat Books, or let Jerry know at Professor Frenzy, and we'll be sure to mention you on our next show. Thanks, Chris. Well, that's all we have for today. Please join us next time when Chris and I will cover Red Robin Collision. My name is Jerry. And I'm Chris. And thank you for listening to Bat Books for Beginners. Chris and Jerry, my old friends, I've come to hear your show again. Because the Bat Book that I was seeking left me craving for some more reading. And the songs Jerry sings, they still remain. So insane to hear that books for beginners. So many bad books, how to choose. But with this podcast, I can lose. Books with the resurrection, brain shackle. Books when I read becomes a bad man, too. Tales like bad. Shop I saw ten thousand trades and maybe more books with villains so menacing that Chris and Jerry keep critiquing Robin's Damon, Tim and Dick they say 